All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. And this week, we're joined. We have a third member on the podcast this week. I'm pretty excited. Our guest this week is Adam Nicholson, uh, BeaverBlitz.com, longtime writer. I believe he's been there since the entire time you've been there. Yeah, I think so, almost. And then, uh, yeah, he's our recruiting writer now. He's killing it. Recruiting guru. It has been a pleasure to be a part of Beaver Blitz now for... Eight years, I do believe. Wow. I think I just had my anniversary recently. Yeah, you did. But, uh, it's been it's been quite the ride, that's for sure. Well, and you've experienced so much, Adam, in your time covering the program from the Riley years to to where we're at now with Gary Anderson. Uh, I'm excited to kind of just get in depth on Oregon State football and and talk to you with you on the podcast. So uh, I've known you a little bit. It's nice to have you on, and thanks for taking the time today, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's a uh, it's an honor. You know, long-time listener on here, too, so I enjoy everything you guys do. Long-time listener, first-time caller. That's yes, what we yes, like to say and I'll radio. take the answer off the air. <laughs> yeah, I'll take your answer <laughs> off the air. Uh, no, Thanks, let, it's been real. Yeah, let's keep you on the podcast here, and let, let's get into some stuff. Where do you guys want to start? We have a few different avenues we could potentially go down. Do you want to start with the Seth Collins injury? Because that seems to be probably the biggest deal yeah, this let's, week, I let's think. go with it. I mean, that was, I yeah. guess we found that kind of Saturday yeah. down at the scrimmage. He was nowhere to be found. No, and then you saw that he had a, I think his whole hand was wrapped in yeah, a bandage. Yeah. And so now it's Xavier Hawkins or it's Trevon Bradford filling in the slot. And, and we don't really know a timetable yet either. No, and Gary, of course, he won't speak about injuries until the doctor's report comes out. I'm hearing all kinds of things. So, I mean, hopefully he could be back, you know, Minnesota or Washington State. But um, like I said, I'm hearing a lot of different things. So we'll just kind of leave it at that. You know, your heart just kind of has to go out to Seth. I mean, for everything that he's overcome over the last year, um, you know, to, to work his way back and be, you know, in the starting role now, um, to only get have another setback with his, his hand injury, it's it's really um, it's tough, a tough pill to swallow. And you just got to hope that he uh, um, doesn't take it too heavily. You know, I mean, he's, he rebounds and works his way back into where he was. Yeah, I mean, you think about what he went through, like you mentioned last year, where some people wondered if he'd play football again. Yeah, I mean, deathbed. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was, it was, was that serious. And now to suffer this injury, whether that's a finger, a hand, a sprain, a, bro- a break, we just, we don't know right now. And we, we may never end up finding out. Does it concern you at all, him not being on the field, like having Xavier Hawkins or Bradford in their form? Does that concern you guys at all? Adam, go for it. I think I think it's a big hit to the um, the size out wide that you see. Um, you know, with Seth working his way in through the slot, um, you're definitely taking away size by having uh, Travon Bradford and Xavier come in because I think Xavier's what five eight five nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travon is five ten five eleven. You take away that uh, size at Seth at six two ish, um, and his athleticism. I mean, he's arguably the, the freakiest athlete on the team. Um, so it's, it's a big blow. It's just a matter of whether they can, uh, uh, how they utilize the different skill sets that Xavier and Trevon bring to the team in that role. I, from watching practice, I'm going to just throw this out there because yes, his athleticism is huge, but I'm sorry. It's the Noah Togiai, Ryan Nall, Thomas Tyner show. Really? I mean, Togiai is the guy. And uh, that's that's really the checkdown guy too for Luton. So if the other guys aren't open, that's where he's going, and he's money. Mm-hmm. You know what concerns me is 
Well, I think the height thing is a good point, Adam. Um, also, just the athleticism that Seth has, and we saw that at, when he was at quarterback and glimpse of it last year at wide receiver. I think you miss that. I, I think if you're going two, three weeks, you can be fine. I worry long term though. If if it's a serious, a more serious injury than we're led to believe, and he's out for even half the season. I just worry what that's going to mean for them long-term in the passing game. Because again, you are relying on a true freshman in Hodgins. We still don't know what kind of Jordan Villeman we're going to get. Are we going to get the one from two years ago that showed this glimpse and had maybe kind of this NFL type potential and was really good with the deep ball? Or do you get last year's that, I don't know, goes through like a mental lapse and struggles a little bit. Um, I think personally from the mental side of what sports can, can, can cause you, uh, if you have two question marks like that, you need a reliable third option. They had that in Seth Collins, and now you don't have that. It's just about the timetable of it. I think if he's out longer than two or three weeks, yeah, I'm I'm legit concerned just as a guy hoping to see this team get back to a bowl game. Yeah, I think uh, we should know what early next week with the doctor report, and that's all Anderson will give us. Will he point. give us the timetable, or will he? I, I always forget his injury. No, protocol. I mean he he won't talk about injuries. Period. Doesn't want to be asked about them unless they're season enders. But I believe the doctor report does kind of lay out, you know, day to day or like broken hand, four yeah. to six week type exactly. stuff. Exactly. Got you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's that's a pretty big deal. But overall, it kind of sounds like we're all in agreement that it doesn't have to be the end of the world yet. And, and you know, knock on wood, I know being down at the scrimmage on Saturday, I think the, the overriding, you know, there's nicks and dings, and you expect that, especially in fall camp. But uh, this team, knock on wood, has stayed relatively healthy, you know, through the stretch. Yeah. What did you think of – oh, go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say that's such a difference from what we saw kind of last year where it seemed nobody on the team could really catch a break once the season really started rolling. It seemed like – you know, every week there was a player going down with a season-ending injury. Um, you know, and that's oftentimes the difference between having a, su- a successful season in the win-loss com- uh, column and not having, you know, a successful season. Mm-hmm. So you just hope that those injuries don't start to pile up again. What did you think of uh, your recruiting writer for Blitz? What did, what did you think of Bradford coming out of high school versus where he's at right now? Um, I like Trevon. Uh, really enjoyed it. You know, watching his film, getting to see him, uh, especially getting to know him uh, over the course of the year. I do our annual or weekly uh, following the future feature. So I'm in touch with all the commits um, throughout their senior season leading up until signing day, really tracking, like, how they're performing and everything. And the kid was, you know, one of those athletes that comes along not every year out of uh, the Oregon ranks. And he put up numbers, he's slippery, uh, had that extra gear. Um, I think... You know, we didn't get to really see that last year. We got to see kind of glimpses of him as a true freshman. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he has progressed over the last year. And then one name that I know a lot of listeners probably aren't as super familiar with, but I was down in practice on Tuesday, and um, one of the guys, a true freshman, running with the offense, not the scout team, is Tino Allen. So, you know, he played I don't know that name at all. Yeah, so he's he is a guy. Tino Allen. He's fast. He's uh, really he's caught on because he came in a little late this summer, mm-hmm. and uh, speed, tons of speed. He's slippery, but um, watch for him. I had a, a report today in the lodge, um, kind of going over names that you might not know, but you might want to kind of brush up on. And, and he's definitely one to watch. Not a starter necessarily, but I do think he, I mean he will be on the travel squad, and uh, I look for him potentially to get some 
get some play as well. Well, and Adam, you sound like you were you were kind of perked up there when she said Tino Allen. What were you going to say you, about him? You watch his high school film, and his speed jumps off the page. I mean, you see him hit the extra gear, and he is gone. Um, and what's amazing about it, you watch him, and you're like, oh, he's kind of thick. And then you look at his, his uh, height weight, and he's six foot, 200 pounds already. And he just needs to continue to learn the intricacies of playing the wide receiver position. But you get the ball in his hands, and he is just dynamic. And, you know, that's another freshman. You know, Adam, you you can attest to this as Champ Flemings. And he's one we've seen, and at the scrimmage, he had he's fast. I mean, he's even more blazing fast. But he's about all of about five. I think he's less at five, six, one, thirty. I think he's probably more about five, five, one, thirty. Jeez. He needs to put weight. I mean, I just worry yeah. about his durability there. Yeah, so. you can't be 130 pounds and succeed in power five football. Yeah, but um, no. Tino Allen is definitely one that uh, we need to get Brandon up to speed on. Well, and, and Adam, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you pointed that out of what his ability potentially is and the the intricacies of, of whatever it is they want him to do in their offense. I, I think it kind of speaks volumes in that regard, though, that he's getting looks now with the first team because he may, you know, he may be one of those kids that he shows up a little later – but if you have a big injury like Seth Collins and you got a senior in Hawkins and you got a second-year guy in Bradford and you're still throwing in the true freshman, I think that says a lot about his ability to catch on quick and, and identify what his role is in that offense. You know what's interesting, too, is I spoke with Jason Phillips the other day after practice. By the way, is he, he's fun he's, to talk he's to, He's totally right? fun to talk to. Yes. I kind of caught him off guard a little bit because I, I, didn't even wanna, I wasn't talking about like current team, right? I wanted to hear his recruiting philosophy and, and get to know that side of him. And what he said is, you know, he doesn't, his big philosophy, he, you know, he, first he said that the star thing isn't as overrated as a lot of people think but that, it, that their staff doesn't rely on the star rankings. You know, they do their own evaluations. It's very interesting answer. Oh, yeah, because most, like 99% of the coaches are like, oh, stars don't matter. But he said, you know, he, I mean, he said, no, there's there's some there's some truth to that, but there's also some falsities. Okay. But what he said is, what, they, what he does is he looks at his room and he looks at his team, and when he's out recruiting, he's looking for guys that are just as good, if not better, than the guys that are currently on the team. Because that's what's going to make them better. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I want to ask you, Adam, because you know this is your first time on the podcast. As as a guy who who writes about it and watches them religiously, what's your biggest concern right now with Oregon State football? Because Angie and I have talked about this before, but like from your perspective, when you look at this program, where this team is at, and what they're trying to accomplish this year, what's the biggest area of concern for you? I think you know if you're if you're talking about entering into the season, it, it's got to start up front with the offensive line. You know, you're trying to replace uh, three starters along the offensive line heading into the season. One of them's going to be um, Summer Houston, who's moving over from defensive tackle over to starting your potential starting center. Um, you know, how are they going to gel? How are they going to form? Uh, how are they going to play along one side or another? Can they keep Jake Luton upright? Can they open up holes for the you know quintet, I guess, monster backfield that you have of the five kids who are um, looking to tilt the rock. Um, how are they going to play, and you know, are they going to be able to keep the offense moving along, turning over first downs, moving the ball up and down the field? Um, second question, I guess, is how is uh, Jake Luton going to um, transition from playing at an elite JUCO level to taking that next step at a Power 5 um, program and really leading them. You know, you saw on film last year, he has all the talent in the world. Um, 
I think he threw for like 3,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, was able to move the ball with his legs too. Um, can he can he make that leap though and lead a Power Five program um, to a, a, a you know a winning record and potential bowl game? Um, those are the two question marks that I really have entering into the season. Uh, if you're looking at kind of like the recruiting aspect, is how can they continue to build upon last year's class and continue to get these elite athletes that we're seeing? And I think you know one thing that's different between uh, Gary Anderson guys and Mike Riley guys. Mike Riley really took guys who could come in and um, you know it would take a couple years for them to really transition, but they were able to contribute down the line at a higher level. With Gary Anderson guys, you're seeing guys who are able to come in almost immediately and contribute. And I think you you don't need to look any further than last year's defense at how many linebackers they brought in, and almost all of them contributed at an immediate level. Um, so how do how do they take that recruiting and continue to build off of that? Um, those are those are my questions that I'm anxious to see uh, answered as the season progresses. You know, it's funny that you mentioned offensive line first, because that's what Brandon and I were kind of talking about before we we called you up and and started the podcast. Mm -hmm. How does that offensive line gel? I mean, that's going to be a a big question. The funny thing about Luton, and this is something I've kind of noticed now since they named him starter, Mm -hmm. and especially since Marcus has transferred, is that both both Jake and Daryl seem to have this new confidence it's like this whole weight is lifted off their shoulder because they know they're one and two oh of just not dealing with not the third dealing with dynamic the third dynamic and yeah. they they're both playing a lot mm-hmm. better um you know I, I talked to one of my sources that was at practice yesterday and he just said luton has an arm a total cannon so um and this is a former player who who knows the game well yeah so i but seeing you know seeing daryl perform that way seeing jake kind of lighten up i mean marcus was a team favorite they all loved him and you know you, you get that guy out and away from the situation, and it now is bringing, I think, the team closer together. Well, yeah, and I was going to say, even if there's people out there that are pissed that he transferred or maybe you don't buy into Jake as a leader yet, you win two games and suddenly the locker room's happy, that changes everything. I mean, it really is that simple. You win a couple games, suddenly there's a new leader and everybody's okay following that kid. You, you, I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line because, like Angie said, we were talking about a little bit before we, we dialed you up. I'm really concerned, not unnecessarily they won't be good. I trust the coaching staff that they'll they'll be ready. It's just which group will be ready and will will they when will they identify it? Like I worry that last year repeats itself, that they take what would you guys say, six, seven games before they finally plug in and figure out what their group is and who they are before they establish themselves. I just if you really want to be a bowl team this year, that can't happen. Well, we've seen now it's been over a week that the lineup has looked from left to right, Brandell, Lavaca, Sumner Houston, uh, Trent Moore, and mm-hmm. then Fred Lewina at right tackle. So they've moved those two guys around, but that has been what we've seen first team now for over a week. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Adam? I think, you know, I think it's very important to have that set lineup, you know, so they're the familiarity of playing alongside one another, knowing where they're going to be moving and protection and everything. Um, but at the same time, I also think it's important to get certain guys worked in the Cami Delps and some of the other guys, um, because all you are is one injury away from one of them stepping into that role. Yeah. Um, so getting, I think it's not just the five. I think you really need to work seven guys in there and just have Cammy those interchangeable and, parts. Yeah. You add Cami and then Kali'i Montabon and mm-hmm. there's your seven. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Okay, but here here's the 
I think this is where it kind of gets a little tricky, though, is, and I'm, I kind of wanted to pose this anyway, the first game reaction could mean a lot, though, to me, where they, they play a tough opponent in Colorado State. That's not a gimme. It's on the road. It's a brand-new stadium. It's already sold out, right? They're, that fan base is ready to go, and that team will be ready to go. If they struggle, like let's say the offensive line has a a, a, a bleh day, the running game doesn't get going, they apply a lot of pressure to Luton, and they end up losing that ball game. How much overreaction is there? Instead of saying, all right, first game, we're replacing three starters. We can keep these guys going, show them what they did wrong. Instead of doing that, do they overreact and go, well, let's plug Cammy and let's take so-and-so off. You know, whoever that ends up being and however they end up choosing their rotations, I just don't want to see too much second-guessing. I want to allow a group, whoever it is, to go out there and give them a decent amount of time to say, all right, we can establish some kind of chemistry or continuity on this line. Oh, I, I definitely think that they'll give them, give them some time. You don't think there'd be an overreaction to the Colorado State game if they lost that game? There'll the be an overreaction with the fan base. For sure, but yeah. I, I do think the coaches will give this, you know, whatever they decide. Whether it's keeping Trent Moore as a guard, whether it's moving him back to tackle, whether it's you know, Tam- Cammy Delp was right there and Bend. He was one of the you know three guards, and when Gus Lavaca was out. Um, but I do think this this group, those five guys, have kind of been the core. I think that's uh, what we'll see going in, and then you give them Portland State to kind of regroup and, and see if, if they still can't handle anything at Portland State. Well, dear Lord, if they can't handle Portland <laughs> no. State. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thinking, too. you got to give them, you know, the Colorado State game. You go into the hostile environment, um, first game jitters, that kind of stuff. You get that out of the way. You come back. You regroup for Portland State. I mean, this is all granted things go bad in Colorado State. Mm-hmm. You regroup. You come out with a different game plan for Portland State. And if something's still not clicking by halftime, then, yeah, you probably start um, making changes. And now not clicking against Portland State, you can interpret that as, you know, maybe we aren't being as effective, not necessarily that we're down or anything. Um, and you, you kind of use that second half to experiment there. And then you got to hit things right, though, for the Minnesota game, heading into week three there. Um, by that point, if there's still, you know, stuff that's not gelling, then you kind of go, okay, well, what do we need to do to fix this? Yeah, um, I think that's kind of your panic, panic, not panic point, but your time of concern. Well, yeah, because week three, you got row the boat coming into town. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. don't want them rowing a boat in your stadium. So <laughs> I could see at that point how you need to <laughs> and figure And you have a lot out. of good recruits coming in on that weekend. I mean, that's a big game. That's a big weekend. That's, that's your yeah. big non-conference game, yeah. I think. You know, you're at home. It's, it's a good opponent. You lost to him last year. Not only that, you're debuting uh, your new jerseys. Um, that's the, right. The yeah. mat's going to be out there. Yeah. Nighttime um, I game. think it's a, yeah, it's a, a national broadcast on FS1. I think I saw after, and Beaver so, fans will be yeah. happy after Nebraska pummels Oregon. Can I, can I, day. can I ask you guys a question? Cause I think the interesting and fun part for me of doing this podcast is, uh, talking with people who are fans and then talking with people who are also realistic. And I don't know, I, I that dynamic is always, I like that more than just the diehard who refuses to tell you that the team's not going to be good or they're always going to be great, you know? Mm-hmm. The jersey thing was interesting because I, I think those jerseys were sick and I want that helmet like in my man cave. But I had I had a couple duck friends of mine text me and go, what's the difference between Oregon State doing this and Oregon when they did the gray stuff? Like, what's the difference? Because Oregon does it every freaking week. I know, but like, 
I think, uh, yeah, I'm you just, know. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. Well, I was going to say, like, I like them. I do, right? If they did a uniform combo that sucked, I would be willing to admit oh. it. I don't like their white unis. I'll go on a limb and tell you that. I hate their white uniforms. I've never liked them. I think they're hideous. But they did gray, and gray is not a color, and you make fun of the school down south for not doing a color. Are they gray, though? I thought they were matte black. Well, they look gray on the picture. Okay. That's, I mean, they probably will end up looking matte black in person. I just, I was, I don't know, I found it interesting. Yeah. Because the picture to me looked, yeah. looked a little grayish. You know what was funny for me is that before they did the whole rebranding, mm-hmm. we had this whole thread on Beaver Blitz. Yeah. So what was that? Five, six years ago? Was that? It was 2013. So five four, years. Four or five years ago. Yeah. And so we have very creative people who got together, Beaver Blitz members, and created kind of like before they showed them, right? Like what they could look like. Yeah. Yeah, they were so close to that. And we even had, we called it Ghost Beaver at Beaver Blitz, but it's the old Beaver logo because we didn't know the new one. But yeah, matte black helmet with the, like the matte ghost chrome With the beaver. orange eye. Yeah, with, with were, the orange eye. Like seriously, the jersey looked similar. They, and then the white ones were like white ghost ice beaver. So it was like matte helmet with a pearly white beaver. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like uncanny. And I have to think, I had totally forgotten about it. Until one of our longtime Beaver Blitz, somehow he found it, pulled it up, and shot it to me in text, and was like, "Check that out." I'm like, "Dang, I'm not getting my royalties." Do you guys hate any <laughs> of the unis? I, I've never liked white uniforms. Period. I don't mind the white tops with black pants. The gray, I didn't think looked great on TV. The all orange looks a little weird on TV, but yeah, I'm okay with the all orange in person. person. I'm with you oh, on yeah. TV. Yeah. It looks weird. Yeah, I think you got to mix and match. Myself, I. I I'm just not a fan of a solid, yeah. you know, orange, solid white. Mix it up. I think. I know my favorite. You utilize all of your school, all of your school colors there. Yes. I, I'm so. so old school though. So like the 2000 Dennis Erickson unis were like my favorite. Those Beaver uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I'm old and you know. Was that the, because the of bra the bra unis were? Red <laughs> no, I mean I just I thought they were clean. You know, they had the outline, the number, and I don't know. They I thought they were sharp. But. Yeah, why don't we bring back the bra uniforms? I'd be oh, okay gosh, with that. Yes. <laughs> hey, it led to a civil war win, didn't it? It did. You're right. <laughs> yes, it did. Okay, I want to ask you guys, and I, I'll start with you, Adam. I just something else I, w- I was thinking about with the Colorado State, like right, the overreaction from the coaching staff perspective. And Angie, you brought this up, the fan perspective to it. So a lot of us have this idea that they can take a jump win two more games and get to a bowl game this year. If they make it at five and seven, look, I'll, I'll root for them. I'm not going to sit here and brag about that. That's an academic BS reason to get teams in. But if they get six and six, I believe, I believe Adam, you believe, Angie, you believe they can make that jump. But you got to start the season off right and have a good non-conference because your schedule in conference is so tough. If they lose to Colorado State, on a scale of one to ten, Adam, how bummed are you? It's got to be, you know, a five or a six. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be uh, world beating if they do lose, but it's definitely going to be a little bit of a bummer. Um, you're playing down; it might be a tougher, you know, non-BCS school that you're playing against, but it's still down. Um, and when you look at the the parity across the Pac-12 you start thinking of like, okay, where would this Colorado State fit in to the Pac-12, mm-hmm. and where does that place us then in, you know, a relative um, picture? So you lose that, and it it turns into, okay, well, how can they rebound from it? 
Um, but definitely it's an uphill battle to try to make that six and six uh, record um, when you start off on the wrong foot. I don't think, I mean, we had, I asked this poll yesterday on Twitter and on Beaver Blitz about, you know, is this a bowl team? And we had a poll, whether, you know, this is a New Year's Day bowl team, this is a bowl team, and eh, maybe not. And, and the majority said it's a bowl team. Okay, mm-hmm. so, but we had several people comment. That seems to be the expectation. Yeah, that's the expectation, and that's the players. You ask the players, and that's that's what they're going for, Guarantee too. Guarantee Gary Anderson saying the same thing to coaches. But we had a, a poster on Beaver Blitz that said if they lose to college, they have to win all three non-conference games, or the season's over. I disagree with I, that. I disagree with that completely. Two and one, I think you have to be yeah, two and one. Yeah, I think you need to be two and one, but I don't think if you if you lose to Colorado State your season, pack it up, because... Yes, the Pac-12 schedule is hard, especially the front end. Yes. That front end is – there's that five-game stretch there I with know. like Stanford and USC and Washington. Washington, and yeah, Washington I think Washington State. State should be good. <laughs> but then you look at the back end, you have Cal, Arizona, Arizona State, and Oregon, all four winnable games. So, you know, throw in two wins non-conference, there's your six. And then mm-hmm. if you're able to, you know, pull off either Colorado State or one of the five, then, you know – it's a better season than anyone expected. See, because I, I know this is like it's the big third year for Gary Anderson, but I was I was trying to think of past years where the first game gets you kind of geeked just because of the season being there, and you think of the team's going to be really good. the The last game I can think of in my mind, and and maybe you guys come up with one that's more recent. I kept thinking of the TCU example, and, and I know TCU is a Big Twelve team; they're in a much better conference and they're a better program. I get that. But in terms of excitement for football season being here and then Oregon State taking a jump and having a good challenge to start their season out, that was the last game I can remember feeling the same way that I do against Colorado State. Just from the sheer fact of, I think they can win six games, I think they will be improved, but I would like to see them take care of business against a team that's in a lower level than them. Uh, yeah, completely. That what, what year was TCU? 2010 was that 10 okay yep yeah yeah 2010 i don't know yeah, the, yeah, the biggest crushing blow for a first game again uh, i'm gonna show my age here but it was 2001 opening on the road at fresno oh let's not i went to that, that game but it was it was seriously the biggest gut punch awful ex, awful experience that yeah i can remember well you should have never been playing at fresno state yeah, at that yeah, point anyway yeah. but that's but no it was there you know there's been some tough losses that Beaver fans have had to wake up the next morning from, but I feel like a... this would be it this year. Yeah, maybe I, yeah. maybe I'm I'm reaching too far, but I do feel like a lot of fans would feel that way. They wake up Sunday and they're just kind of like, "Did that really happen?" Damn it, man! We're zero and one. Like <laughs> we got six more wins. We got to try to get this conference slate's going to be tough. I think ASU might be somewhat better, um, given their quarterback play and, and their amount of they guys have to be returning. a lot better. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I know. But remember, they started five and one before four quarterbacks got hurt last That's year. True. So, I, I know the back half is clearly way better than the front half, but I, I don't know. I, do I? Am I reaching here, Adam? You know, I. He thinks you are. That pause says no. It's you okay. Are I want I'm just curious. It's uh, it'll be. You know, I'm awful at forecasting this season and how everything <laughs> plays out. You can just look at my prediction um, <laughs> record on Blitz. Every year we do the the season predictions, uh-huh. and I'm always you're always optimist. the yeah you are <laughs> always like, the optimist. Oh, we're seven and five this year, and oh, heck, the uh, 2011 season. I think I was like, oh, we're an eight win team, Ooh. and we go out and drop that egg against uh, Sac State. So yeah. it's like. You know, it's it's always tough to predict because 
you don't necessarily know how the coaches are going to react to different things happening. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I definitely see this team as a bowl team. It's just a matter of how they're going to get there. See, my, um, my, my opinion here, and since Adam's a recruiting guy, he'll probably agree with me. The biggest, not bowls are, are huge, but from a recruiting standpoint, the Beavs are still in it with some really, really top notch recruits. And it's going to be a small class. I mean, they probably take eight or nine more commitments right now. Mm-hmm. You need a couple of those early wins to prove to recruits that what you're selling them is right. And that's where I see almost bigger than trying to make the bowl game is these early wins for these early wins. I would completely agree with that sentiment. I mean, it's, it's imperative that this team starts on the right foot. Um, you do that and you are in serious contention for some serious program changing type at level athletes. And uh, you get those guys in and that's the difference between maintaining a bowl level program and really making that jump up to, you know, competing for the Rose Bowls, which is, you know, what everybody in Beaver Nation wants us to get back there, you know, and we feel like we have the right staff in place. It's just a matter of getting the right athletes into this program now. And uh, you get some of these guys that they're after right now, and it's it's seriously taking that next step towards that uh dream that we all have you know I mean, and look at i mean it's kind of totally we're roundabout here but look at the true freshman that could play this year i mean david morris out of sherwood local guy clune says he's gonna play yeah, he's like gonna he's play. in the rotation and he actually could be a starter come game one so um he was taking reps with the first team on tuesday so um he's right there in the mix kessie ahoy a middle linebacker true yep. freshman right in the mix um calvin tyler i mean they don't need another running back but he's so good they have to special get teams a, he is he's been doing yeah. the punt returns and He's slippery, he's fast, and, you know, these guys, that, I mean, that is another big point then when you're selling this program. But, I mean, I'll say it, Talanoa Hufanga is, like, the number one athlete in the country, five-star player the Crescent right Valley in team. Crescent Valley. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, Oregon State needs a winner. programs coast-to-coast lined up after him. I mean, Alabama has offered him, and they are seriously after him. I mean, you can say that, you know, there's kids that receive an offer from Alabama, and then, you know, for one reason or another – you know, coaches drop kids throughout the recruiting process. This is a Talanoa is a kid that Alabama wants, and if you can go in and beat Alabama head to head for a kid, that's something to hang your hat on. See, so basically, what I just got from you two going back and forth on the recruiting front and having a four a five star kid like that on the line is that I'm not looking too into it. I'm a, I'm exactly right then because mm-hmm. the last thing you want. Is Minnesota's gonna be a tough team, and PJ Fleck is a very, very good football coach. Uh, I was talking with a coworker of mine before I hopped in the studio, and they don't think Minnesota. And look, they're they're a rabid football fan, and and Adam, I think you're right. Of projecting out is is so hard, but they don't think Minnesota's gonna fall off much from their eight win team last year. Like, and so if that's the case, and PJ Fleck is is just as good a coach, if not better. Well, okay, then that game, even though it's at Reeser, is going to be a challenge. Portland State should automatically, you should win that game 45 to nothing at the bare minimum, right? But if you drop Colorado State and then you beat Portland State, suddenly you look at that Minnesota game and not only was it big before the year because, well, Minnesota's a Big Ten team coming to Corvegas, but now you're thinking, what what else is on the line here except a bowl? Is it deeper? Does this go into recruiting? I, I have to believe it is based on what you guys are saying right now. Definitely. I don't think I'm overreacting at all. You're not. I guess no, you're not now. Not, not, you know, every, every game is important. 
Yeah, but Adam went, Adam went from hesitating I, he did. to like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah you're right. If you're they right. start one and two, the recruiting uh, day that happens at Minnesota, they lose that game. Suddenly, <clears throat> you may lose that five-star kid to Alabama yeah, or to or SC. SC. Yeah, Nebraska, I think, is, you know, that those programs right there who Talon was after and you, and you, you know, or who are after Talon was. So, yeah. you uh you you lose that game and it can definitely turn the tide in a favor that you won't like. Yeah, well, let's not get um, started with uh, Uncle Mike sniffing around in Corvallis territory, <laughs> stealing recruits again. I feel like all yeah. that. I like I I like Mike Riley, so I say this in kind of like a half sarcasm manner. But I feel like all he's done since he went to Nebraska is flirt and try to take away Oregon and Oregon State recruits. Am I wrong on that? Does it feel the same way to anybody else? <laughs> the whole Calabrasca. Yes, the Calabrasca <laughs> thing. Yeah, he's just keeping the pipeline yeah. he had in Corvallis. All yep. right, how we doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. After you, Brian. Well, I was just gonna. I was. I was just gonna transition. But if you had something else you wanted to add, you can go ahead. Nope. Let's move on. Okay. Let's move Don't on. Don't get me started on Mike Riley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we so, feel like we love, go down a rabbit hole. Love the guy, now. but it was. It was. It was time. Yeah. Was oh, there's so. no. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Um, yeah. Secondary, pretty big uh, area of concern for some people. You're replacing some pretty good players on that side. And we mentioned David Morris. Kevin Clune said he's for sure going to be in the rotation this year. Uh, how are we feeling about a week out from their first game of the secondary, especially the free safety battle? I, I think it's good. I mean, you know, Jalen Moore is right in the, in the mix. Um, Le, uh, Landry Payne is in the mix. Um, the one I want to address, because we've heard about it all week on Beaver Blitz, is the former four-star in Christian Wallace. Super great kid. High, highly rated recruit. He was a running back in high school. Mm-hmm. Oregon State is making him, transitioning him into a corner. Now, he wasn't academically eligible last year, so he spent time with the team working on getting eligible, but could not participate. So he is really a true freshman on the team. And everybody is expecting this kid to come out and be an impact right away and you know a true freshman who's learning an entirely new position it's not going to happen this year guys so uh Mm -hmm. you know everyone needs to chill out and Mm -hmm. it's gonna be okay well he's a four-star kid a lot of people are curious you know it's it's it is and i think he's working a lot of things there you know they he's never really backpedaled before you know he's trying to learn an entirely new position a whole new new way of of doing things instead of just hitting the hole and running so um but I do like the way the secondary is shaping up. Like I said, the and then the looks that we're getting, I mean, they're going to be playing a lot of linebackers. And that, to me, is the kind of the strength and core of this defense is linebackers. Um, I mean, we saw at the scrimmage on Saturday, there was a set, and I've never seen anything like this. It was bizarro. Gina and I were laughing about it Tuesday. Two down linemen, six linebackers, and three DBs. That's a very odd a Very formation. odd front. Very, very odd. But Kloon, I, I, I like him. He's got this whole defense dialed in and... I think he's kind of, you know, a guru when it comes to what he wants to do and what he wants to see. But um, He's a big surfing guy, by the way. He is. I didn't know that. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, he's really into surfing. Oh, my gosh. I'll have to talk. I asked him once on the—we had him on my radio show, and uh, I said, hey, what's what's your favorite booze drink, coach? And he's like, ah, I don't really—he was really nice. He's yeah. like, ah, I don't really drink, and— I got an email from uh, Steve Fink, and it basically was like, yeah, could you not ask him about alcoholic drinks on the radio anymore? He's more into surfing and stuff. Ask him about that next time. I said, you got it, Steve. That was pretty stupid. <laughs> well, I'll have to ask him. I mean, hopefully he's smart, 
and his favorite surfer is Kelly Slater. I feel like there's no other surfer to root for because the really only isn't. name I know is Kelly Slater. That's, that's the one you have to root for. <laughs> Well, he's out though. He's out. He like shattered his foot. He he has rods in his foot right now. So Kelly Slater, if you're listening to the damn podcast, get well, buddy. Adam, get I well. think you're right. The only person that would know that is Angie. So, <laughs> hey, how do you feel about uh, the secondary? You know, I, I like them. I think uh, you're definitely having to replace two big kids or two big losses in Decoud and uh, Chappelle. Um, you know, who's really going to be the leader that emerges back there. You got Brandon Arnold, who's a seasoned vet. Um, you, you know, you think that kind of falls on his shoulders. Um, who's going to be out on the edges? You got Xavier Crawford, who definitely got the accolades following last season and has the talent to um, be an elite corner in this uh, league. Who's going to play opposite of him, though? Um, That's you know, to he, me the I, cornerback. I feel good about it. The cornerback's the question right now because I know they love Sean Wilson, but he's been dinged up, so he mm-hmm. hasn't been participating. Um, Isaiah Dunn was one they were really high on. I know he's working on a little academic snafu right now, so he's not in, in the mix. So What is with their DBs and academic I, I snafus? I know. It's it's half a credit. So it somehow it, it was it had to be something this is my own detective work here. It had to be some kind of a just what transferred over because it's a between a quarter system and a and a semester system or a semester system to a quarter system. Is Craig Evans there yet? Like, he's is he on, he's the on field? campus, but no. No, he's not. Are we starting to get worried about that? Because I kind of am. At this point, I don't even have him. Like, I, I'm not expecting him. But that's just like my at own. all. As me, as I mean, we're a week away, less than or a week away from the season. You can't be like counting. I mean, because who knows what kind of shape he's going to be in if and when he ever shows up. So, so Beaver fans just I don't know. Yeah, Maybe but that was what, supposed to. I mean, that that was one of their bigger kind of you know off season gets. You got a JUCO DT from Michigan State. That went the had to go the JUCO route. He you got him in Corvallis, and now we don't even get to see him. Oh, he's there. I saw him. He was walking oh, with Seth Collins you know the other I mean, day. You know what Being a dominant force inside on that defensive line and giving him depth. Yeah. God, dude. How I don't many, know. How I many semi coolies do we need? <laughs> oh, Simi never made it to Corvallis. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's still what two weeks left in the third summer summer school. Yeah, the third summer school course, or however, I forget how they break it up. They got the three, four-week periods that they have over the summer. So, you know, if, if, you know, he's not eligible here in the next couple weeks, what does he do? I mean, I think he can take, is he taking classes at LB, or is he dual-enrolled, or... I, I know? don't know that. Nobody talks about that. I did. I had heard that he was doing an online class, hmm. but then I also heard that didn't go well. I don't know. Like I said, this is all coming kind of second, third hand. So yeah. no good sources. That's why I'm not like going out on a limb. But well, you know what? It sucks, yeah. but uh, hopefully it can get itself figured out. All right. Um, yeah. I don't really have anything to should add we, with DBs. We... Yeah. Let's get to the questions. questions? Yeah. Some... Actually, before that, um, I, we're taping this on Thursday, and there was the horrific attacks in Barcelona today. Yeah, with the beeves. And the beeves are, yes. like, seriously, I guess, right across the street. So I listened. Um, Scott Barnes addressed the media following practice today. His son is with the basketball team. Yeah. Um, but then this this popped up on social media from Jeff Macy, the strength and conditioning coach. I Yes, I saw this. And Go ahead. And so um, yeah. he and his wife basically had been separated when this happened, um, and 
He said, unfortunately, we were way too close to today's events and separate, separated by about three blocks at the time. She was kept safe by a local store owner. Due to the lockdown situation around our hotel, we are not going to be able to be reunited tonight. She is being taken care of by the store's owner's family tonight. We will find a way to get back together in the morning. Jeez. I can't even imagine. No, I, you know, I made this stupid mistake. Somebody said, uh, I saw one of these videos on, on Twitter and, you know, it was a video you, you watch and you're, oh, God. It kind of makes you just sick because, yeah. you know, they show things you shouldn't be seeing. But, uh, no, I guess they were. Right there. Yeah, I guess it was like right on their street. Yeah, across the street from the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our, our thoughts and prayers. Heart are breaks for everybody over yeah. there. Definitely thoughts and prayers to everyone. Glad, you know, everybody associated with Oregon safe, safe. Um, but for everybody else out there, it's just. It's devastating. Well, now you just wonder if they if they come back. Arizona was on this uh, similar trip. They were in Spain and they made the decision. They came back to Tucson. So we'll yeah. see if uh, Clemson's over there right now. Yeah. There's several several programs over there. Yeah, we'll see if Oregon State yeah. makes a similar decision to Arizona and, and come back. All right, let's get to some questions. Okay, so Wilson JX says facilities. In your opinion, has the Valley Football Center expansion and remodeling been the game changer? Quote in recruiting and performance as advertised. That's an Adam question. You know, you you in talking to a lot of the different recruits, it's definitely eye catching. Um, you know, it's 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 something to sell, but the Beavers gotta finish Weezer. You know, that's gotta be the next thing they get done. You get that done, it's completely state of the art. Everything surrounding that uh, football program, um, but the Valley Football Center. Every I've heard positive reviews from everybody. I was talking with um, a couple of recruits over the weekend and that have been to uh, Corvallis before and they loved it. Um, so but I, I don't think it's necessarily a game changer. It's a game changer compared to what Oregon State had. Um, it's nothing that's like shock and awe wow factor. Hard but to do that anymore yeah, in college football. Yeah, I mean, because it's, mm-hmm. it's always changing. But it put Oregon State on an even playing field. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it looks beautiful. I, I, have you guys been? Did you tour it, Angie? No, I haven't toured it yet. That was a follow-up question. Just that he hasn't seen anything but videos of the locker room. Yeah, it's all. You know, I've what seen. I what I like, and I guess this is selfish. I mean, I, it's bright. It's you know, and it's, I think they could have done some more with like the bowl game trophies, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the media has a room now. We are like right there. It's glass on one side, so you can see players coming in and out. Um, but it's just super convenient, you know, to be able to run in there, drop your stuff off, do your work, have press conferences right there. Um, so super convenient for media, and uh, it's it's nice. It's, yeah, it's, it's sharp. Um, I think. Go ahead, Matt. Just or, adding on, I think I think it's always tough to gauge Oregon State's facilities because you have Oregon just down the road. So we're yeah. constantly comparing our Valley Football Center to. You know, their Taj Mahal they have down there. Yeah, but even <laughs> Oregon now is becoming a little passe now with Texas's big unveiling and Well, I heard I heard an interesting thought too that yeah, I know right now they are they're doing really well in recruiting. I heard like a interesting thought that it may be too overwhelming for some recruits because they don't just have one Taj Mahal, they have like four. And it's like which building do you take the kid in and show off? Because they're basically all just incredibly huge palaces that with stupid thrones. I mean, yeah, every <laughs> yeah. every yeah every kid has a Game of Thrones for his locker yeah. room yeah. chair. Like uh, it's just dumb. I, it's, I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And look, a lot of kids are gonna love that because I mean, why wouldn't you? I I'd have to admit that I'd be intrigued by that as a recruit. But 
I heard from a, I was talking to an individual and they were like, yeah, they're doing well in recruiting, but I also know a lot of recruits that visit and they're just overwhelmed with how much great stuff there is. So I yeah. see it. So, um, let's see. Well, Matt Chifoni asks a ton of questions here, but we've, we've just talked about Craig Evans. We talked yeah. about Seth Collins. Um, we talked about Christian Wallace. Oh, he asked about the comic and they're still doing graphics and recruiting Matt. Um, I, they haven't. We haven't seen anything quite as big as that whole comic thing that went out back when Christian Wallace was a recruit, where they actually had made comic characters. Oh, out of I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Key Wetzel, how much of an impact will he make this year? Definitely seeing him, um, but I, you know, like him, Shamar Smith. I think we see those guys just in that whole linebacker rotation. It's too hard right now to say like these guys are the first team because seriously, they're changing guys out in yeah. and out constantly. Well, and they got good experience coming back too. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, JT Beaver says when Anderson and crew took over, one of the big changes that was emphasized was how the roster was split into four teams during the off season to compete in everything from academics to community service. Uh, not to mention conditioning and lifting. We haven't heard a word about that the past two off seasons. Are they still doing that? If so, why no coverage or mention? They did that. Uh, JT, I, that was more of a trying to make it fun with the transition and get the guys, um, each coach then had a team that they were in charge of. So it got all the guys knowing all the new staff. Now that that is um, set up in stone uh, or they know all the coaches, it's it's not all new anymore. They do break the conditioning portion up into four, like four quarters. Um, but that's not the competition that you're talking about um, where the guys are all competing for grades. Uh, they still meet with their position coaches, but they have a beyond football program now that kind of helps them with interview skills, community service, outreach, and all of that that kind of focuses on all of that. Hmm. Why, and, why? I wonder why they stopped doing that. You know, it's the athletes are getting so many. The NC2A is actually coming down a lot on time constraints yeah. on how much time. I mean, these guys, you have to remember, have to go to school and have to do homework. So yeah. um, I what think are you that talking was like, about? Football, football and school can work? Hey, Don't listen to Josh Unless you're Josh Rosen. Yeah. <laughs> he has problems with that. But um, they do. Yeah. I mean, they do have a lot going on. And, um, and now, like I said, they, they're really focusing more on that beyond football program. Yeah. And they do some fun things, and they're getting them out in the community. Uh, they like, like I said, they're helping them with resume writing and interview skills, and and getting jobs after after college. And they're still doing the same types of things. I mean, they're still being held accountable for their grades. They are still being um, asked and required to do community service work and such. But they've taken that kind of competition out of it and trying to focus on the entire team as a whole. And then uh, Coach Morrow OSU asks, what do you think OSU needs to do to make a better game day experience in order to get more people in the stands? Hmm. Just win, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Exclamation point. Yeah. I, is anybody, you think it's anything else? Because I don't. It, it's really as simple as. Sh is winning. Win football games. I mean, yep. think about like 2009. I mean, the people come. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, matter if you're doing dot races or ring races on the field or whatever, yeah. or giving away whatever. It's the product on the field and winning. Well, even think about the brief time that they had in in 2012. Yeah, when they were number six in the country and the beaver juice thing was yeah, popular. That's right. and I, there's just an aura around racer when the team is playing, and like it doesn't have to be number six in the country, but when they have a season where they're good and they they push people around, and it's like, damn, we're Oregon State. There's just a special feeling that you can get walking around that stadium pregame versus I'll never forget 2011 because, one, that was my first year with uh, Comcast covering Oregon State. And I'll never forget the basically the crappiest year to cover a sports team I can think of. And, two, 
like people were always complaining to me on Twitter about kick times and the stadium was like half full. It was just, it was depressing to be around. Yeah. And so it really is as simple as win to me. It doesn't, I, it doesn't matter else. what time the game is. No. If the team's winning, it yep. doesn't matter if it's a 7 p.m. kick. Fans are going to be there. If you build it, they will come. Exactly. That's exactly. basically. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's basically what well, is. Is that it? That's it. All right. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Did we forget anything? Well, I, I think we need to, uh, to remind listeners to tune in to uh, 1080 The Fan. 1080 The Fan, noon to three, Monday through Sprague. Friday. Dirt and Sprague. We're on the station that doesn't uh, employ misogynistic <laughs> uh, D-bags. So that's always good to know. Um, you can catch the radio show then. And then uh, you can catch Adam's great work, Angie's great work, beaverblitz.com. Is there anything else? That, that's it. Come check us out. Uh, next week's going to be fun for us. Um, not only will we have the podcast next week, game week. Yes. Um, Beaver Blitz jumps into game week coverage. So we'll have um, talking with Ask, Ask, Ask the Expert. So we'll be talking to a, a writer who covers Colorado State. Um, I may be trying to get a Colorado State guest on the podcast nice, next week. Nice. So that'll be fun. So yeah, we'll, um, and then podcast. So we'll be back again next week. And uh, Adam, yeah. would you like to tell the people that uh, you're going to put on the old ball and chain this weekend? Or do you want to keep that? Uh, yeah, I guess we can let the cat out of the bag. Getting married this weekend. And um, in fact, I, I hear everybody downstairs as people are starting to gather Woo! over here. Uh, right. Yeah. Yep. We are uh, excited about it. You know, I'm, blessed to uh be able to do this, this I, I was going to and say we can welcome robin to the uh, beaver blitz family but robin's already part of us well of course yeah she's she's been a part of it for a while so just uh very excited very thankful and i'm gonna get all emotional if i keep talking about it, <laughs> subject. it's a so. it's it's a good lead up to your vows you know get you practice yeah, I, I, I was able right. to buy a new dress for the wedding but you're gonna oh. you're gonna die because it's it's kind of a color i don't wear very often uh-oh that's a nice little oh, tease. Wow. It's green. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> kind of a tealy green. It yeah. was supposed to be teal. It looks a little more green. Any but, green know. is yep. duck green at this point. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah, uh, exactly. my only advice as a married man, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, don't do it. Don't tell her that. Do it, but don't do it. No, do it, but don't do it. That's No, yeah. you'll be fine. <laughs> Just don't well, go in you. with one foot, so you got to jump in with both feet. Yeah, it'll be great, man. It'll be great. Definitely. Congratulations. Well, thank, thank you for coming on thank the podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Adam. Of course. Thank you for having me. I look forward to being a guest uh, once the season gets going a little bit. Absolutely, man. We'll catch yeah. up with you again. And uh, again, beaverblitz.com. Catch all of Adam's great work. Uh, he is the recruiting writer for uh, the Blitz. And also check out uh, their coverage leading into game week. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with a Colorado State guest, do a little game preview, maybe even a little season preview with predictions with wins. Ooh, okay, got it. Okay, By I'll be way, prepared. Adam, what's your win-loss? What's your prediction? I got seven and five. Seven and five. Okay, solid. Optimistic Adam. He That's is. what I'm going to call you from now on. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't go. looked yet. I haven't looked at it yet. So Yeah, we'll give that to you guys next week. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back with another edition of The Damn Podcast.